I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard, Andy Routen, and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. It's Thursday, January 28th, 2021 in freezing but sunny Toronto. I'm joined as always by Javon Shepard, the general manager of the Canadian Elite Basketball League's Ottawa Blackjacks. He's also all over CBC Sports and Sportsnet The Fan 590. Also here on Zoom is Andy Routens, the assistant general manager of the Blackjack. Both guys are former Canadian national team players, professional ballers overseas, and college standouts. I hope everyone has been keeping healthy and safe. Uh, how are you guys doing this week? How are you dealing with the cold here in T.O.? Uh, AR, I think I, I can speak maybe for both of us there, I'm not used to this because the European winters that we're accustomed to right now were (laughs) 10 times milder than this. So this is is definitely stay-at-home weather. Yeah, I think the most we would get maybe out in 14, 15, something like that, a light dusting every now and then. But this stuff, (laughs) I thought I – boys, I honestly thought I had this thing called COVID toes. But it was just because – my feet had become so cold that they started to turn red everywhere. So uh, I guess that's a thing, but thankfully, uh, thankfully uh, I'm all good. Yeah. I think yeah, it's this is not it. Frostbite. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Might have to get some new boots <laughs> yeah. those, for those, uh, those walks with the puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, you, uh, you made some news this week with the Ottawa Blackjacks. Uh, you announced the uh, hiring of your new head coach, Charles Dubay Bray. Um, can you tell us a little bit about him and the decision uh, to give him the, the post as head coach of, uh, of the Ottawa team? Uh, I think we just wanted somebody diverse. Um, you know, Andy and I had really dug deep into, you know, what had transpired last year with the team and, and more so, you know, in the community and what the community wanted to see as well as, you know, just making sure it, is, it aligned with, you know, the person who was taking over that position was going to align with, the philosophy of the CBL, uh, Mike Morelli, Mike Morelli, well, vision of the CBL and the direction they want to head. So, I think um, you know Charles definitely encompassed that, being being that he has you know some NBA experience, some G League experience, some international experience, um, experience at the youth level, developing. So, I, I think when you know we put that together and, and really. Um, thought about what we wanted to do the direction we wanted to go he fit perfectly so um and then ar you know he did a great job i i have to you know give him the credit of vetting this whole process out and then just going and taking step by step 
<laughs> Mr. Fucking Modest over here. Uh, I mean, it was kind of a, it was kind of a no brainer for us. I mean, Charles appeared on our radar and 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 Shep vetted him out early. Um, but Charles is a guy that you know, having having experience with the nine hundred five here in Canada, um, having been a guy who who's coached overseas and had experience in that tear and 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 had a great uh, season in China, becoming the coach of the year out there within one year. I mean, um, we're happy to have Charles. I think he's going to be. Uh, somebody who can bring us to the to the next level uh, and having a, a experience all across the world is only going to benefit us in the best way possible, uh, especially with his 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 uh, his French background, you know, being in, in the Ottawa Gatineau area. Um, you know, I think that's going to be somebody that we want to get in the community because we're going to be heavily community based. Uh, we want to get everybody involved and, and to have them intertwined like that is is the ideal situation for us. I well, think we've I, all we've all even spoke on. I think we've all collectively spoke so highly of the San Antonio Spurs at different points mm-hmm. throughout our our podcast, and and that was you know a big thing too. Is that he's he's had some experience with, um, you know that organization, and and even though it was just at the summer league capacity, but, um, you know being able to come with that knowledge or get you know the knowledge that you've gained from, um, working with people that are under Greg Popovich's regime, and you know bring over here. That's mm-hmm. a, that's the sort of family tree we want to build as well, and the success that we want to have on and off the court. I congratulate you guys and the organization for the hire. Uh, sounds to me like a uh, terrific guy you have there in the head coach position. And uh, you know, we're only uh, you know the CEBL season's going to start May June. We're coming up on February. It's actually pretty close. I'm I'm getting pretty stoked for that. And uh, you know, as we get closer to the season, I will wish you guys. Uh, more and more good luck and good fortune in in the coming season. So congratulations on that. Let's let's get into some NBA, and I think the best place to start is with uh, games this week, particularly last night. I thought there was a barn burner in Philadelphia between the 76ers and Lakers. Andy, let, let's start with you. Um, do you see that? Do you see L.A. Lakers in Philadelphia as a, a potential preview of the NBA Finals? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, I mean, these two are the the juggernauts of their respective conferences. Um, you know, I think this last win gave gave Philly the best record in the East at thirteen and six. Um, you know, Embiid's playing arguably the best basketball of his career right now, and, and he's averaging twenty seven, eleven, and three. I mean, those are those numbers are incredible, and I love the fact that they kept Ben Simmons around to uh, to keep that dy- dynamic going because. In my mind, Ben Simmons is one of the most underrated players of the league. He reminds me, you know, I, I've made this reference time and again of, of Magic Johnson. I mean, a six eight, six nine point guard who can who can find anybody on the court at any given time and he can score at will. I mean, you know, granted the fact he doesn't have a three point shot, I don't think that really hurts him in any capacity. If he develops it, great. Um, obviously, teams have played him in the playoffs before and let him shoot, but um, his effectiveness on the floor is is still at a really high percentage. Um, and then the role players, you know, uh, uh, Tobias Harris and Seth Curry, you know, they're hitting really consistent from outside. Um, and I think, you know, on the Lakers side, uh, you know, their their biggest con- contribution to their success last year was their paint play. I mean, that was a massive reason why they won and they fortified that by bringing in, you know, one of the best defensive quarterbacks in the league and Marcus Gasol and, and, and Montrezl Harrell. So I think they, if they continue to make that a point of emphasis, I think they're back on their title quest for sure, and and, and they could potentially meet Philly there for sure. See, I, I'm going to oppose AR with with the Philly prediction there. I actually think that they're going to be a, a great regular season team. 
um, and tailor off in, in the playoffs like they usually do. And I, I, I only say that because I think they're missing a third piece of, you know, that third piece, that component that has had experience, that has been on the levels that, that, they, that they want to go to, that they want to achieve. Um, so you're not you know, buying into a... Danny Green bringing them over. No, 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 no. That third piece. <laughs> no, no, no. That, they that got Doc piece. now. They, they got Doc going into the playoffs this year, you know? They got Doc, but we've seen what yeah. Doc has done in, in playoffs in, in recent <laughs> years. So, so yeah, my thing is more, you know, that third piece, a, a veteran guy that's been, you know, been to a finals, been to a conference finals, that's really going to be able to take these guys over the hump. Um, you know, the other the other aspect to that is Embiid has to stay, has to stay healthy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to your point, AR, he's, you know, he's playing some of the best basketball he's played. And I think sometimes he can be his own detriment in that. Oh, know, his own worst enemy, for sure. His own worst enemy. And he, you know, get to talking a bit too much for a guy that hasn't yes. really, you, you haven't even seen the conference finals in the East. You're, mm. You could arguably be the, the best big man in the game. So um, with that being said, I, I think there'll be a great regular season team, but I still think despite the, the struggles of the Brooklyn Nets, they're, they're still my favorites to come out of the East. Well, Andy, you are correct. As we stand today, the Sixers do have the best record in the East at, at 13 and 6. Um, Daryl Morey, their, their new president, is on the record saying it's championship or bust uh, for the Sixers. Danny Green has played great. Seth Curry's been great. Embiid is always a question with, with injury, um, but he's certainly performing. Um, I, I do have to think that the ceiling for the 76ers is the finals, but I, I worry about one thing, which is something we've seen from Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris in the, in this current um, setup of the Sixers. And it, they're a dominating team at home. They struggle on the road. Um, right now, 10-1 and one on the home court, but 3-5 and five on the road. You know, if that game is played in L.A. last night, it, it – Maybe probably uh, probably turns the other way. I think at some point in the playoffs, the Sixers are going to have to find a way to get a key victory on the road. And you know, if they finish first, you're looking at a game, you know, a game four, a game six situation. I don't know if we've seen yet that they can do that. Another, can I? Can I, yeah, I want to yeah. throw something at you guys. How do you think Doc Rivers is going to fare with this team in in playoffs? Because we've seen like last year's Clippers. Um, implosion was a prime example of you. You have you have some superstars. You have guys that have experience. You have guys that have played on a high level, high level, um, on a big stage, and the team still imploded with Doc at the helm. Now you give Doc a talented team, uh, but some inexperience in the sense of hey, this these aren't guys that have necessarily played in the finals. These aren't guys that necessarily played in the conference finals. Um, how do you think that's going to pan out? Given um, you know that that mix right there. And not to take nothing away from Doc. I want to put that. Doc, you know, he's. A, I think he's a great motivator. He's had some, you know, success in 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 past years. But of recent, I don't know how this you know, is possible you know, mix. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 an interesting dynamic for sure. I think that Philadelphia has always had the tools to get there. I don't know that Brett Brown ever had the keys to to drive that car to the championship game though. And and I think that you know, given all Doc's experience, his versatility uh uh to to have chemistry with the top and bottom guy on the entire roster you know he's he's a player's coach guys love playing for doc he's very personable um and, and he'll let you rock so i think that um you know players with you know joel Embiid especially and, and ben simmons they feel much more comfortable and you can tell in their play right now 
Um, and, and that chemistry, I think, will carry over to the postseason uh, because that experience doesn't count for nothing, even though he, they didn't win a championship, in my opinion. I, I mean, I, I can't blame Doc Rivers uh, for Paul George's kind of falling apart in the playoffs right. season right. in the bubble. Um, I, you know, they were up 3-1. They had a strong regular season. Um, I, I thought Doc was was the scapegoat for what happened uh, to the Clippers, and, and I, don't think, I don't think it was right. I think him being at the helm um, is a, a, a great situation. If you, look, if you look at the coaches in the East, you know, everybody's had some, some playoff disappointment. Doc and Nick Nurse have, have NBA rings. Brad Stevens, you know, the, the Celtics have, have failed sometimes in the playoffs. Uh, Budenholzer with, with Milwaukee. Um, it, you know, Eric Spolster is a, an, an NBA champion too, but who knows if the Heat are even going to make the playoffs. I, I, I think um, the CBG, that's exactly why. That's, everything you said right there is exactly why I think Philly, the piece they're missing is that third player that has had you know, some championship experience or played sure. on that level. Because when, sure. you, when you look at those teams you just listed, you know, again, talented teams, but they're all missing that that veteran experience that can still compete, can still. And I think, you know, CP is a guy that can, um, you know, has will fill that type of void. Well, I, I just, I thought the Sixers never should have let Jimmy Butler go. And I think it showed in the playoffs, but... Daryl Morey is, uh, you know, he's a gambler. The, the trade deadline hasn't come yet. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Sixers m- make a move. Uh, I, I think we – you want to go, Andy? I, I was just going to allude to the fact that you, you, you mentioned that Philly's record on the road isn't so great. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a, a, a common theme across the league right now. You know, the Raptors have only won uh, – you know, they lost four games at home and seven on the road. And do you think that you can attribute this to guys feeling like I've almost heard it described as a bubble within a bubble? Um, you know, there's some sense of normalcy when you play at home. At least you get to go home and, and then go to the arena. But on the road, you know, they're strictly limited to just being in the hotel. Um, and yeah, do you think I, that's I, affecting guys' mentality? I, 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 I would give a lot of credence to that. It's just that this has been a trend for the Sixers, particularly Embiid okay. and Simmons. If you okay. look at last year, you look at the year before – um, I, I think it, it's it's a it's a a characteristic of the team, and it's something that they're going to have to get over. And you know, if you go by what Shep's saying, you know, you bring in an experienced veteran player, and that that could be the thing that helps them. Danny Green, I don't know if he has as much impact on the court night by night, but you know, playing yeah. on the road in the playoffs for him, impactful experienced player, not yeah, an impactful one. Danny yeah. Green is yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, but, Danny Green's a nice. Art on a on a good team. He's not, you know, he's not Embiid. He's not Jimmy Butler. Ar, I think to touch on what you said too is that you know going into this season, everybody and and, and myself was guilty of it as well. Is that we thought okay, there's there's not going to be any home games. There's not going to be any away games because there's no fans. But the reality is, you know, you're not sleeping in your own bed. You're not in your own arena. You're not in your own routines. And, you know, you know, you know, just like myself, even best playing on the road, you still feed off of, you know, the the crowd or, you know, the booze oh, and, and uh, things of that nature. So, you know, it's it's unfamiliar territory and guys still have to um, adapt just in a different way. So these are these are still road games because now you again, you don't sleep in your bed. You're not in your routine. You go to a stadium and you usually use, you know, the fans and the chance to, to motivate yourself and get yourself going, get your juices going. 
that's no longer there. Like we're hearing guy, we're hearing shoe squeak now on the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Uh, lot, there's a lot of external motivation, especially playing on the road. Um, and, and when you're just limited to the hotel, as you know, you know, guys, guys can go a little bit crazy too. So I'm sure that's wearing on their mentals heading into the game as well. For sure. Well, while, uh, while we are talking about Embiid and the Sixers and the Lakers last night, let, let's, let's look a little bit into the MVP race. I usually don't like talking about it so early in the season, but you know what? People bet on it in Vegas. There's been a lot of movement, and I do think that we saw probably now at this point the two presumptive favorites, um, you know, even at 20 point, twenty games into the season. Are we looking at a two-man race of LeBron and Embiid for, for the MVP for, for the rest of this year? Well, I, I know one thing that Luka Doncic crap is out of the window early now. He's not right. definitely yes. not in. He's not in this race. Calling me out. I think, yeah. Preseason. No, 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 never that, never that. Never that. <laughs> I, I just um, think Doncic doesn't have enough help. That's yeah, he, that's he, he does. That's not the greatest team. Uh, as far as the MVP race, I think it's just going to boil down to again, you know, which team ends up with the best record. And again, like we alluded to it earlier, that. If Embiid can stay healthy, if he can lead this team to a, a top record in the NBA, he's going to force some hands to hand that over, hand that uh, MVP over. I think, you know, where Embiid's concerned, he's a guy that people appreciate his talent, appreciate his dominance, but they don't really celebrate him as much because, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, how the chatter that he is, he, you know, plays into the game or puts into the game without Mm-hmm. much team success around it so um, whereas other guys like Giannis, Giannis is the perfect example he just he works he just works you don't hear much from him yeah. and you know he's a beast and we've seen it last night uh boys uh Kevin Durant's checking in uh hey he... <laughs> hey let's get this, to it this, this slim reaper is just silently in the corner <laughs> right now with his little with his little axe um the guy's averaging 30 points tonight uh, you know, seven rebounds, five assists, two blocks a game. I mean, he's having an MVP year, shooting 52% from the field and 45% from the three. Um, he hasn't lost a step on either on either end of the floor. I mean, the guy is a machine. And you're playing with a guy in James Harden now who's motivated to find his teammates. He's averaging almost 12 assists a game. Um, and I think that if those guys can keep their egos in check, you know, find that good rhythm and get on, get on balance. No, they're not going to play defense, but I think that's very clear. So, you know, that will determine, you know, the amount of wins that they get. But as far as just being uh, an individual award as, as the MVP is, I think MVP uh, early honors go to Kevin Durant. And I think he'll solidify that by the end of the season for sure. I, I mean, look, if, if you're asking me, I, I think LeBron and Kevin Durant are the two best basketball players on planet Earth. On Earth, easily. But if, if Philadelphia finishes in first place ahead of Brooklyn, you know, with all the help that Durant has there – Embiid's numbers are relatively close. I, I think it, it, if I think it is going to boil down. I think Shep said it earlier. I think it, it is going to boil down to where those teams finish. If if you look at you know the last couple of years in the NBA, Milwaukee finished first. Giannis got the MVP. If, if Philadelphia finishes first, it's going to be tough um, for Embiid not to get the votes. But at the same time, I think that uh, you know LeBron James who dropped that uh, 46 piece in Cleveland the other night in his, is it his 18th season in the league? I think you'll see a lot of voters giving a lot of uh, 
a lot of votes to, to LeBron too. Let, let us does KD does KD have does, does does there something to be said about him coming off an Achilles injury and averaging thirty points a night? I, I don't know. I mean, that has to fact that Odin, has to factor in to an MVP. That has to factor into the talk. Well, but the but, problem is the problem is with those guys that they they need to string together some wins, and if they're unable right, to, right. KD is going to be public enemy number one just because you know you look around at what you have. And people are right. saying, okay, why aren't you finishing first? Without taking into account that his team has to start to gel first. So, it, um, you know, let's say this. If you take away LeBron from L.A., are they still a great team? No. I, but I think even, they're good. I don't think they're great. I, I, st- I still think they're a playoff team. Now, if you take away Embiid from Philly, what happens to Philly? Oh, oh Philly's, a, Philly's a 12 seed. Yeah. So this, I, I mean, if you're looking like that, that might be. That's your, a good point. Game. Okay, Shep, you're playing chess, and we're all playing checkers. Okay? All right, let's let's play some chess. <laughs> I'm, stuck, I'm stuck on Connect Four personally. Look, if if, <laughs> if you have uh, LeBron, if LeBron plays all 72 games, no load management, heavy minutes, up there in the league leaders in scoring and assists. I mean, hard hard to argue against LeBron being the MVP in the league. Guys, uh, the Utah Jazz, they beat the Mavericks uh, Wednesday night. That is their 10th win in a row. Donovan Mitchell did not even play. I I think that says something to how weak the Mavericks are, uh, unfortunately for them. But we're talking about the Jazz here. Uh, Shep, let's start with you. Uh, Is Utah Utah good enough to challenge these two teams out of L.A., the Lakers and the Clippers, when the chips are down, perhaps in a seven-game series? late in the Western Conference playoffs? Are they there? I I don't think they have that level of talent yet. I don't think they have that juice. And I think, you know, when you get into playoff basketball, that's a whole different type of season, and you have to beat a team four times. Um, where they're concerned right now, I think what, what's worked for them, what's been to their benefit, is the fact that they haven't made many changes, um, you know, from last season. So they're they're pretty much just rolling over what they've done and just growing on, on, you know, what they've been able to accomplish, which is, has, you know, paid dividends for them because there's chemistry where they're concerned. Um, and I think a guy like Donovan Mitchell, I know he didn't play last night, but he is really coming to his own and a guy that's now, you know, he used to question his, his shot selection. He used to question like his inconsistencies, but, um, he's starting to understand. He's starting to understand, pick his spots, understand his game, and understand how to use his teammates as well. And that's that. You know, that's that's bode well for them. Um, I think there's something to really be said about keeping the same guys around and building that chemistry. Do they have the star power to go deep in the playoffs and deep on their bench? I'm not entirely sure. I think they're always going to be a really good, consistent regular season team. Um, but I don't know if they have the the bodies to bang with LA in the finals, uh, uh, or, or in the semi and uh, Western Conference Finals. I'm sorry, um, but you know they rank third in defensive efficiency in the league right now, as opposed to 13th last year. So that's a significant jump, and they've made some strides uh, to bolster that that end of the floor, and and that's a huge deal in this league at this point, given the amount of offense that's being played. Um, and, and like you said, Shep, you know Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are playing with supreme confidence right now, backed by their massive max contracts um and and guys like joe ingles i I, you know there's a poll quote i have from from joe ingles here he said we figured out the style and pace of stuff that we want to play at 
it's a really fun group to play with. We play for each other. There's no egos involved. Um, you know, and I think that there's a lot to be said. I think, you know, Andrew Wiggins might feel the same way in, in, in the Warriors culture. And I think that's what's trending in the league right now is, is the chemistry, you know, given the fact that there's so much dissonance due to COVID. Um, and I think that's really going to be a make or break factor for a lot of these teams this year. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, it's nice to see Gobert and Donovan Mitchell put, put mm-hmm. things aside, right? You know, yes. there was a bit of finger, uh, finger pointing. Uh, when uh, COVID nineteen got that COVID dyslexia popping. Hey, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's so funny, it's funny you say. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Jeff. No, it's, it's funny you touch on it because I was just about to interject and say uh, it might be a bit too philosophical, but you know what they went through last year with Rudy. You know his whole shebang and the microphone, and then you know the way the world reacted. Naturally, so I mean, given the circumstances and what we're dealing with. I think that was also an opportunity for this team to to gel and and come together even a bit more. So um, that's nothing that's not on the court. I may be thinking a bit too deep or a bit too far left field, but I think that's that helped them as well. Interesting. Uh, that is interesting. That maybe the adversity is what's what is helping the team gel and and play for one another. You know, they they're not really uh, unaccustomed to it. Uh, you know, Shaquille O'Neal made some news uh, in recent days by saying that Donovan Mitchell isn't a superstar player, um, which surprised me, especially because he then had to do the interview with him, you know, shortly thereafter. And, you know, I, I didn't think when Mitchell was drafted into the league that he was going to be a superstar. But that year when the Jazz beat, um, I think they beat Westbrook, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony on OKC Thunder, who were heavily favored, and and that kind of announced to the to the NBA and the basketball world that that Donovan Mitchell, to me, was a superstar. Andy, do you think that Shaq uh, maybe whiffed on this one in his comments about Mitchell? Uh, you know. I'm not sure how big of a fan I am of all these old heads calling out the the newer generation. I get that it's a it's a completely different era of basketball. It's like, you know, comparing apples to oranges and Michael Jordan to LeBron James, it's they're just completely different generations, you know, completely different work ethics, I feel like. And 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 they had to play at different physicality levels. You know, as you know, the league has changed. You know, guys are shooting more free throws than ever and tic tac fouls. But mm-hmm. you know, Donovan Mitchell's numbers have largely remained the same, you know, the past couple of years. Um, I think this year, this season is going to be a really big uh, uh, key for him in terms of changing the turning the corner into that superstardom. Um, I think he has the potential. He has all the talent in the world. He moves like on it. He moves unlike anyone else in the league. His footwork is is second to none, and he has that killer mentality. So, um, you know, it's really all going to be about, like you said, collecting these wins and, and and going deep into the playoffs. And I think he's capable of it for sure. But 
you know, as far as as far as Shaq calling these guys out, I think they just need to pump the brakes a little bit. I think they're giving them a lot of unwarranted flack. You know, granted, you know, they're seeing money that that the guys who have, you know, a number of rings never saw in their entire lives, you know, within a, an NBA contract. So, um, you know, there's it's it's a double edged it's a double edged sword, you know, on that one. So I think that he's going to get to that point eventually, though. I do believe in Donovan Mitchell. I agree with AR there. Sometimes a lot of these all heads that, you know, we grew up watching, they take it a bit mm-hmm. too far instead of encouraging these guys. And, you know, I can imagine Donovan Mitchell grew up watching Shaq and, and you know, mm-hmm. idolized him as well, as, as, as well as some of the other all heads. So it's, you know, sometimes it's a bit too much. And, and I think, you know, where Shaq's concerned, you were a physical specimen. Like it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't like you were the most skilled player. So when you see a skilled player, um, Shaq, you're a guy that shot, you know, probably less than 50% from the free throw line for your career. Now, mm. you see a Donovan Mitchell, that's a different type of game. You should encourage that kid and appreciate what he's able to do because you couldn't shoot a free throw. When it came to skill, right. that wasn't your lane. This is a skill, right. this is skill lane. So as much as we want to yeah. say that the game has changed, yes, it's, mm. yes, it has, but we still, we're still able to appreciate and identify a skilled player um and a physical specimen and, and both deserve their both you know their respective um you know flowers too so i think yeah, that you know it's, it's interesting too because the paychecks are all relative it's all relative to the times so yep. jack was playing yep. right now he'd be making 400 million dollars you know like mm-hmm. there's no question about it so uh you know i think that these guys have done their due diligence and, and it's just a sign of the times i think they earn whatever they've gotten they've worked for it and you know we're at this point now there's an unprecedented amount of money in the league so it's it's really not his fault you know same with rudy gobert a lot of people didn't think he deserved that contract well he got it so you got to take your hat off to him and and uh and just respect their names you know the funny thing is ar the money has to go somewhere right Right, exactly just a couple years ago we were complaining not only not us players were complaining as well that you know the owners are eating all this money well shit Mm -hmm. no it has to go somewhere so they're owed, they're owed it, right? This is the yeah. money that they're generating. This is the money that they're bringing into the league. So, like you're saying, it's all relative. So, yeah, it's it's. I think sometimes it gets skewed, and and even you a know, little the old heads that are in, yeah. right? Well, Shaq is not hurting for finances. He was a <laughs> early investor yeah. in a company called Google. So, oh, uh, that old chestnut. Also, I, yeah. you know, not not to not to defend these guys, and you do see Barkley and Shaq. You know, they can be critical, but it's I don't think it's an insult to say that Donovan Mitchell isn't a superstar. He's hes not saying he's a, a horrible basketball player. We all know Mitchell's an amazing player and one of the best in the NBA. You know, but sometimes there's that that delineation point between a superstar like Kevin Durant, LeBron James. Those are superstars. Maybe Shaq is just suggesting that Donovan Mitchell's not going to be on that level. And maybe he's saying it to, to try to motivate the guy, uh, you know, as well. It's tough with, it's tough with him because you never know where to, how to take the shot being humorous or is he being serious? And I, mm-hmm. I completely mm-hmm. agree with what you're saying. I just, I, I just didn't agree when I, I can't remember what game it was, but Donovan Mitchell had a, a really big game and Shaq came out for the post game interview and, and basically just shitted on him. I'm like, okay, this mm-hmm. is, there's a time and a place for everything. Right. right, and the so, fact that it was national TV, you know, that platform TV. that you chose to use, you know, is, it, it makes a difference as well. What are you yeah. doing? And and I think sometimes as well, from the broadcasters and, and people in the media, you actually shape how 
the world views these guys, views these athletes, just as much as um, you bring attention to front office on these guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to tread light with what you're doing, especially with a guy like that, that, that he's really playing well right now. Hey, Shaq, come on. Yeah. And, and the, it is part of the job of, of Shaq and them to kind of, you know, stir the stir pot. The pot. Sure, sure. That also contributes to interest in the league. You don't want everybody to just kind of have that, you know, um, opinion by rote. Um, one one superstar is Jimmy Butler, and last year he was the de facto leader of the Eastern Conference champions, the Miami Heat. They are really struggling. Uh, Butler's been out since January the 9th, I think with a, a COVID-19, um, possibly a positive test, maybe even an illness. The Heat are two and seven without him. Um, then you know you're not really hearing word about when Jimmy's going to be back. He may be for such a, a fit um, specimen of an athlete who works hard at his crafts. He might not come back a hundred percent. You know, in a shortened season, seventy-two games. Are the Heat going to have enough time to get back in the playoff hunt? maybe in a, a, a strong position and, and are they going to be able to make a run? I guess is basically what I'm asking chef. Uh, it's, it's tough. Um, Cause now you're, you're way waiting a lot on Jimmy Butler's shoulders, which I'm sure, you know, he lives to those moments. But mm-hmm. uh, again, even last year when this team made their run in the bubble, I, I didn't think they were the most talented team after finishing, I believe it was the five seed and ending up in, in the conference, in the NBA finals. Uh, and now, you know, you have an older Drogic who's, you know, been been injury prone. Uh, you really rely on Duncan Robertson and Tyler Hero to 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 step their games up and elevate to another level. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for them. I think they had they clicked last year, had a really good run, but again, they weren't the most talented. So it's not like when Jimmy comes back, you're going to get back the most talent with Jimmy either. Like you're going to get back a hard nosed guy. So. Uh, you can you can count them for playing hard. You can count them for for winning a couple more games here and there, but as far as going on a you know a ten game win streak, or you know four or five game win streak at a time, I, I don't necessarily see it. Yeah, I mean, in, in my opinion, the most exciting thing going on in South Beach right now was the introduction of the uh, COVID sniffing dogs. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting one. I'm I'm curious as to how that's going to play out. But, um, you know, they're 6-11 and 11 right now. They're sitting 8th eight, eight in the East. Bam, more Harkless, Avery Bradley, um, they've, you know, they've, Jimmy Butler, they've all missed time respectively. And I think, DG, alluding to the fact that you said Jimmy's such a specimen, like, it really goes to show you what COVID, you know, how, how strong this thing is and how, you know, it's, it's not a joke. But we don't know the long-term residual effects. So will Jimmy come back as the same person? I mean, we don't know. Um, but this is a no-excuse culture. You know, with Pat Riley at the helm, you still have those same dogs that you had on the team as last year in that run. You know, it's really early in the season. They're only two games out of the eight spot. I think they'll find their way back. Um, you know, I think that right now they're just struggling to find that cohesion that they were playing with last year because guys are in and out. You got Tyler Hero playing a point guard. His uh, his percentages have gone down, but, you know, his numbers have gone up. And that kind of suggests that he's trying to carry the load at a position that he's unfamiliar with. So. You know, I think a lot of those guys are trying to compensate for the pieces that are out. But when they all get back together, I think they'll make a steady run at the at the playoffs for sure. It's funny. In, if you're looking at the history of the Eastern Conference, if you can get to 500, hovering around 500, mm-hmm. just over, yeah, just under, you're good. You're, good. you're a six yeah. to eight team. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, anything is possible in the East. Mm-hmm. There you go. The anything Mag- is possible. 
Thank you, uh, Kevin Garnett. <laughs> so uh, we have a sponsor on Jim Rats and Joints. It's the Henderson Brewery in Toronto. The best beer is the beer you love. Check out their beer. Uh, time for hashtag TDITRH. A little something I like to call this date in Toronto Raptors history. I know I was there. Let's go back to January 28th, 2016, five years ago. Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan each notched 26 points, and the Raptors win at home 103-93 over Aaron Aflalo and the New York Knicks. It's the Raptors' 10th consecutive victory, a club record at the time, to reach 11 two nights later in a win against Detroit as the Raptors sweep an epic seven-game homestand. Ultimately, that year, they will advance to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time against LeBron and the Cavaliers. Check it out on Twitter, hashtag TDITRH, this date in Toronto Raptors history. I know I was there. Now, how about the Raptors right now? They started off the season 2-8. and eight. I hit the panic button, suggested making some moves, um, wondering what they were going to do next. And, you know, they must have heard me. They reeled off five wins in their next six games. And I think, as you guys said, with, with the, the tightness of the Eastern Conference, um, they are back in the playoff hunt. There's, there's no question about it. Um, where, you know, they lost last night in Milwaukee, but they are five and three in the last eight games since starting two and eight. So where, Shep, where do the Raptors stand right now? Uh, again, it's the Eastern Conference right now. They're two games out of sixth place. Um, if you can believe that it's crazy, but I think, you know, for the Raptors to be successful and we've seen it time and time again, they have to play, you know, team basketball on the defensive end. It's no surprise Nick Nurse wants to get up and shoot three balls. They lead, they lead the league in three points mm-hmm. attempted mm-hmm. as well as three points, three points made. Okay. Guess what? Mm-hmm. That's going to be, you know, that's going to be their identity. Cool. But on, you know, when they go through, when they go through droughts or periods when they can't score, like we've seen last night in the second quarter, you know, anywhere from two minutes to, to three, two, three or four minutes of unable to score, you know, they have to find ways to embody Fred Van Fleet um, and take his characteristics um, across the five guys around that are on the court and just be a defensive dog because now their defense has to be two or three times better mm-hmm. than their offense to, you know, to offset that. So, um, you know, where that's concerned, that, I think that's where they have to, you know, where they have to buckle down and, and for them to get, to get wins, it's going to be by committee because they don't have mm-hmm. the superstar talent. Um, they don't have that guy that's going to be able to come in and take over a game. So that's, you know, and again, you're in the East, two games out of six, anything's possible. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, right now they're sitting at the 16th best defensive team in the league. That's that's a far cry from second last year, and I think that's what they really hung their hat on, and that's Nick Nurse's specialty. So I think, you know, there's no doubt that they're in the film sessions, you know, getting a lot of, a lot of clips in and, and trying to figure out the rotations. And I think what really helped was, you know, alleviating, alleviating Alex Len of his duties and, and kind of, you know, getting getting Aaron Baines out of the paint. I think that was really clogging up lanes for, for driving and, and getting to the hole and why they were so reliant on the, upon the three ball early. Um, but look, they're sitting at seven and 10 right now. You know, they've led in double digits in, in almost six of their losses. You know, they had two one point losses. So they're they're right there. They just need to 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 pick and and and, and pinpoint on some certain things, especially on the defensive end. But you know they're going to be a playoff team. There's no doubt in my mind that they have. They're 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 just getting their Tampa legs under them right now. They're finding that chemistry <laughs> down in, in their new home. So you know I have all the faith in the world, and the Raps are going to turn this thing around. And like you said, the East is 
there's always room for for hope in the East. So I think they're going to make a run at it. East is the East, and again, AR of the, the East. The East is the East, and of the ten games that they've lost, um, mm-hmm. you know, seven of those have have pretty much been uh, two possession games. Uh, right. I mean, I, I believe three of those one point, um, you know, one point games. So that you know, that's a mm-hmm. loose ball here, uh, block shot there, and just. Uh, right, really buckling. And they down. were finishing those games last year. They, they, they you know, yeah. they were they were double they were doubling down on those ten point leads. You know, they're really finishing games, and I think that that's a huge point of emphasis this season is to just close out games. Right. I I do think the East is is a little bit top heavy, and maybe after the the top four or five slots, I do think a a, a playoff spot is available for the Raptors and and for some of the other teams. I think mm-hmm. uh, the, these last two weeks proves they are competitive. Um, it proves they are in, in the race if they want to be. I just think it's going to come down to um, what direction the team decides to go in. You know, are they going to be a buyer or a seller when mm-hmm. it comes towards the trade deadline? And uh-huh. yeah. I, I was I was really impressed the the win in Indiana. You know, they had the back the, the two yeah. straight games in Indiana. Lowry and Siakam did not play in that first game. And they won it, and and I think that showed and Indiana's to, solid too. That's a good yeah, road win, absolutely. really good road win. Absolutely, yeah. that 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 showed to me that the spirit of the Raptors that we've really seen the last two or three years, where they really compete and they really try hard. I I was happy to see that back for the mm-hmm. Raptors. Um, I still think they're in that you know five to eight position, and it, you know, that's where you have to decide. Are, are you a buyer? Are you looking to add a piece so that you can p- compete with those top teams? Or mm-hmm. are you selling to, for assets for the future? Good, uh, you know, that's something that they can, they're going to have to make a decision at some point. Um, you, we talked about Durant a little bit earlier. Um, I, I'd love to talk a bit more about the Nets' big three because we now have seen it. I think they played three, maybe four games together. Durant, Harden, Kyrie Irving, three of the best players in basketball, um, not on the defensive end, on the offensive end, but a, a, a force to be reckoned with no matter who the opponent is. I mean, any team in the NBA is going to have a tough time. That said, you know, Cleveland beat them twice. Atlanta took them to overtime. I think they had another overtime win. So they're not, st- you know, they're not stopping anybody. That said, they've won three straight games now. I think they're 12 and eight. They have a, a Friday game against Oklahoma City Thunder. You can see them starting to put together a run here in a roll. Andy, where would you say the Nets stand right now? I think they're in good shape, you know, especially given all, you know, the Kyrie drama and, and you know, getting James late. I think they're just starting to figure each other out. Um, uh, they're 12 and eight, fourth in the East. They had a couple early losses, like you mentioned, especially, you know, ugly losses against Cleveland. Um, you know, no one's going to be afraid of this team either. You know, as Joe Shep, as you know, you play, you play the top teams in Europe, your Fenerbahce's, your Milan's, your, you know, guys are coming for you every night. You're going to get everybody's, you're going to get everybody's best game. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's interesting, the dynamic too, because it seems as though Kyrie is playing off ball. He he seems to be the primary two guard right now. And James seems to be more of a point guard, you know, averaging 12 assists a game. So as they continue to find the roles, I think they're going to be really, really scary to watch. You know, being the offensive juggernauts they are, but um, you know, a point of emphasis that Steve made was was even though they have the, one of the most potent offenses in the league, is that there's a dire need for guys to become hungry and aggressive on defense. Like 
I think their main question is, do they have that dog? Do they have that scrap, that fight mentality? And I think, you know, nobody being scared of them, they're going to have to bring that. And they're going to have mm-hmm. to show people that they're not pushovers. So um, that'll be the determining factor is their, their defensive style of play. It is. And their their defense is always going to be overlooked, even when they are playing good defense. Right. Their, de- right. their offense is so high powered. It's almost like the, you know, the, the Golden State Warriors um, the, over their championship runs. They were such a great mm-hmm. high powered offense. People didn't realize that they were actually one of the top defensive teams in the league. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think, and I think, you know, where, you know, th- their big three is concerned, um, they just have to get accustomed to playing with each other in terms of, you know, how's the ball, the basketball is going to be distribu- distributed. Um, I've heard stories of, you know, when Kyrie returned to the team, you know, he was a bit disgruntled because, you know, Karis Levert, him and Karis Levert were, you know, like brothers. So he was a little disappointed mm-hmm. that he had been gone, but apologized to the team that, you know, he, you know, for his time away and it won't happen again. And the first person to jump up and really say, no, we're, you know, we accept you. Let's, let's get to it was James mm-hmm. Harden. So um, and that being said, coming from your superstar, you know, to set the tone right. for the rest of the team, for sure. Right. And I think what's even more beneficial is that KD is not the most vocal person. You know, he's a guy that leads by example at the same time. Great and nice guy, good character guy doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. And. Uh, that's it. No, KD. And then Kyrie is obviously Kyrie. Like he's going to be up. He's going to be down. He may not be your best leader. I think James is actually a huge asset to this team because he may be the most natural alpha, natural leader um, amongst these three. And then they're going to need that even aside from just, you know, producing on the court. One of, uh, one of the more intriguing stories for me this this year is the Golden State Warriors. Now they've uh they've almost lost as many games as they did in the the 73 and 9 season uh which is man is that 15 16 so 5 years ago already. They're 10 and 8 um but just by virtue of Steph Curry being there I, I still think they're going to be in the mix of things. Uh, they had a couple of games against the Minnesota Timberwolves this this week, and I, I gave it a look. And you know, it was interesting to me to see Andrew Wiggins uh, playing against his former team. Um, I, I don't I don't know that he had great games by any stretch, but he had really good games, really solid games, and helped his team win. Um, do you think he's finding his way a little bit more? Uh, playing with Steph, playing with Draymond Green, and and that Warriors championship culture. Uh, I I think it helps, right? Like you, you're now amongst guys. You're in an atmosphere of guys that have have done what you want to do as a competitor. And I think when you have Draymond Green, the most vocal point of that team, the most vocal person on that, that team, the centerpiece of that team, endorsing you and saying that you've been, you know, a two-way player and you're changing the culture of that team, that speaks volumes on, you know, what you're doing and, and the things that aren't showing up in the stat sheet because, you know, Draymond's a guy that doesn't hold his tongue for anybody. So the fact that he's publicly um, supporting and endorsing what you've done, you know, that speaks volumes. So I think, you know, he's already adapting. I think this is this is what he needed. Not every guy is meant to be the LeBron James. Not every guy is meant to be the superstar. And I think that may be the case for Wiggins. Um, you know, in the role that he's in, he can really flourish. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Shep. He's, he's, 
he's finally in a spot where he's playing for something. You know, I think everybody that goes to Minnesota just kind of they, they fizzle out. You look at D'Angelo Russell right now, and he's thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm a contender. I'm with Cat now. I'm with you know." So, and 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 that's a place where essentially dreams go to die at this point in time. Nobody wants to be in Minnesota. So he looks like he's bought in. He's playing with consistency. He's averaging 23 and six. You know, now that shouldn't be your primary motivation as a player, but it's not like he's been a slouch his entire career as a 20 point per game, you know, a night guy. He's just now in a situation with winning culture and, he, and he's one of the best two guards in the league. So a two way guards in the league. I'm sorry. Um, but I think the bigger story here is, is, is James Wiseman. He averaged he, he had a career high 25 in, in 24 minutes after being benched the other night. Um, you know, I think that speaks volumes about his maturity, you know, to be the number two pick and, and, and not play your best basketball and get benched to come out and make a statement like that. He's only 19 years old. He's still really raw. He needs to learn coverages and schemes. It's not easy to transition to the league, especially for a guy who who didn't even you know play college basketball. He played what one or two games. So yeah, I think that you know the sky's the limit for him. And and once the Warriors start to figure it out and gel together and and figure out their schemes, they're going to be really really fun to watch and tough. Thought that was a perfect situation for him, being that they had that hole in the middle, and that yeah. he could just get, go there and learn. Like you see, yeah. a, you know, we've, we've watched games where again you're seeing Draymond really. You know, take him. He's by getting the arm into him. Say, he's getting into yeah. him, which is which is. But great. at the same I, time, there's there's he's celebrating him too when he does you know mm-hmm. some really good things, and I think that's as much as as much as Draymond is a Michigan State guy. I'll give him credit where he <laughs> where credit is too. Like, you know, he's he's a good leader for that guy. So he's right a leader now, for all, sure. Yeah, all Wiseman has to do is get up and down the floor, block shots, um, you know, be in the right position defensively, and just learn, man. Like you're in an ideal situation and on a team with Steph Curry that can, you know, be compete at any level in any mm-hmm. game. I don't know if we've seen a specimen like him at his size in, in recent memory. I mean, this guy, he can play one through five. You've seen him in transition, you know, putting the ball behind the back, finishing around the rim, finishing lobs. Does he's he ver- he's versatile. Of, does he remind you of Chris Bosh a little bit? Okay. Okay. That's a, a, a I think maybe it's that wiry, that... Chris, like you said, in a while, Chris Bosh is that 2003 draft with LeBron. That's that's ancient that's history now. That's a good sign, right? <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to think of the last. I'm trying to think of the last seven footer that I've seen go coast to coast. Probably Durant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we just take that. We take that for granted yeah. far too often. Way what a specimen often. KD is. Yeah, I, I think Wiseman coming off the bench playing against other bench players. Um, you think that's where he needs to be at this point in time? Maybe. I mean, for, forget yeah. about the production that's going to come because right. he's be- you know, we talked uh, – somebody mentioned, I can't remember who was in the show, but Washington Wizards picked up Alex Len. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Golden State is playing Washington and the bench guys come in and it's James Wiseman versus Alex Len – I'm rolling with James that's White. That's a matchup I like. Yeah. like that, that's a really good matchup off the bench, and that that gives them some uh, some some great production on their second unit. They're already getting production from Wiggins and Curry on the first unit, and Wiseman maybe isn't isn't required there. You just need the Kevon Looney to be to be a big body and get some rebounds. But I think just in terms of his confidence, that has to help him so much forget that he scored 25 points in 24 minutes the other night and how much that helped the team but for his 
individual confidence while he's learning the NBA game and the NBA speed, I think it can it can only help him. No, mm-hmm. no, yeah, for I sure. Can, I kind of agree sure more. There's no substitute for experience. Yeah, you know, sometimes these guys are thrown in as a rookie and you've seen what they've done and you know what their potential is, but no one is in their rookie season what they're going to become. So it's fair to have uh, maybe to temper some of the expectations, but you can see this guy's going to be an an amazing NBA player for years to come. Hey, DG, you you hit something, the nail on the head with guys coming to the league and not really knowing the trajectory. Um, Kyle Lowry is a prime example. You remember when mm. he first came into Memphis to, you know, now scoring oh, wow. 10,000 points in, you know, in a Raptors uniform. You had no clue that this guy was going to be, um, especially being a late first round guy as well, being the player that he is. I actually remember um, John Beeline saying to me the other day, you know, he can't, he never seen this coming with, with Kyle Lowry because when he first, you know, stepped into Villanova and was playing as a freshman, he could barely make a cross court pass without turning it over. <laughs> and now this guy, like you see, you see where he's at now. I, I remember that Villanova team and I thought Randy Foy was going to be the great end from there. I, I never would have uh, expected this kind of career from Kyle Lowry. And like, I mean, he's, he's playing himself Randy, right straight to the hall of fame. Randy Foy, Alan Ray, um yeah those villanova guards are just different man well there was one more guard uh what is his name again nice they were nice guards man but yeah you would have never never expected that could not have could not have predicted this guy is similar to steve nash i mean don't forget about though mike nardi mike nardi that's what that's what what i was talking about you know how many goddamn comparisons i've got to mike nardi in my career (laughs) jesus he was a great player, yeah, though. Those Nardi. Villanova battles were something special, man. Those those that group of guards was was, uh, was set the trend for that. Yeah, you guys are going deep now when you're talking about Mike Nardi. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the years go by fast, man. They really, <laughs> they go really by do. Fast. Because I was even last, I was looking up. So I was just looking up Kyle Lowry's, you know, his his career. Did you know that in his first two years, he was actually under the leadership of or the mentorship. His veteran leader was actually Damon Stoudemire in Memphis. Wow. It actually happened yeah. so fast. I was like, wait, what are the odds? Yeah. Especially well, him being then, a former Toronto guy and then winding and, up in Toronto. And then, he, right. then he, got, he got to Houston and Kevin McHale was the head coach. Yeah. Wow. And he yes. had some, he didn't necessarily get along with Kevin McHale. And then he mm-hmm. got to Toronto and it was, who's the starting point guard here? Kyle Lowry or Jose Calderon? Jose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was almost traded out of Toronto. Yep, so yep. It is, it's amazing the ups and downs a, a career can have. And it took, it took a few years, but, you know, obviously he found a home and is, you know, he's that he's the best Raptor of all time. I don't think that's even yeah. a, in dispute any longer. He, he is the embodiment of, of the Toronto Raptors. You know, while, while we're, while we're talking about Mike Nardi and Villanova, <laughs> I, I would love to hear from you. Some some player names who you played against, you know, Shep, you were in the in the Big Ten, Andy, you were in the I I don't remember if it was the Big East or ACC at the, at that point when you when Big you East looked. baby. Okay, good, good. I'm, <laughs> I, I grew up on the Big East, the Big Ten, the ACC. Sure. But who, who, you know, share some anecdotes of playing against some guys who maybe went on to some NBA notoriety or didn't. Um, some guys, some opponents of yours that really stand out. Um, 
Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon was one guy that we Indiana was at Indiana Slinger, Gunslinger. Yep, there's Greg Oden, uh, Mike Conley. Okay. Uh, what was what was playing against Greg Oden like? Yeah, I want to know Oden, that. Hey, I'll tell you guys this. I remember one game against Ohio State. I end up, I you know, he came in with the hype and whatever, and I said, uh-huh. I'm going to dunk on him this game. I end up getting a put back. Barely, I, I think I even tore my nail. Just barely got it, got it over the rim. Just got it back on him. And but that's I that's on the not, career highlight reel, right that's there. That's on the career. I kid you not. You can tell me nothing after that. I thought I was going to the league <laughs> after that play. Like I'm entering the draft right now. I'm sitting out the rest of the season. Yeah. Nah, but there was there was a lot of guys that that came through. I think, you know, at that time like the Big Ten is just such grinder basketball that, you know. The, I'm trying to think of some some star-studded names. I know the, the Big East. As much as I don't want to give you guys credit, like you guys, we had, had the power back then. Have, that, that was yeah. the old Big East was was something special. I mean, we had we had the UConn boys. You know, Denon Brown is is a is a big name there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Josh Boone, Marcus Williams, um, Ben Gordon, Charlie Villanueva. Um, then you Rudy had you know, George Rudy Gay. Then you had Georgetown's Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's the kid? Who's the kid that's been playing overseas for years now? The point guard. He has. Uh... Okay, I can't think of him. But then you have you know Villanova. You had Scotty Reynolds, who I thought was going to be a, a top tier yep, NBA Scottie. point guard. He's had a solid. He's had a solid him. career. Um, you know, Jared Cunningham has been a journeyman in the league for years. Terrence um, Terrence Williams. Well, he 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 ended up falling off. A bit. Terrence Williams is Louisville. He was an absolute Louisville. specimen in college. Yeah, he looked. Like, I remember him. He looked like Des Bryant in college. Like you don't understand. I like mean, seeing this man in person was just, like he passed the eyeball test off the bat, and not I to mention that, he was just yeah. putting his hips on the rim. Um, we never played in college, but we had when we because we all came out the same year. Uh-huh. I remember him. Obviously, I'm going to be in all the athletic wing workouts, and I remember sure. him being in, in like four of my workouts. Uh-huh. Um, I remember when he came into Toronto. Like he came into the into the gym with like his pajamas on to come. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Did you get drafted already before the drafted. draft? Like, he <laughs> yeah, knows. He to talk to somebody. I was like, "What is this?" And that was Danny Green. Was that was Danny Green's workout as well? T. Ross came in there like sweats. He's like, "Oh yeah, you from Toronto? Let's let's hit the streets after." I'm like, "Whoa, you already made it." I'm just trying to. I'm in here to guard. I'm just in here to guard. Hopefully, yeah, I can get on as a defender. We're in two different circumstances, yeah. here, brother. Like, come on, man. That, yeah. this, oh man, this is this is great stuff. Let let me let me ask you, Chef. Like. Have you seen Terrence Ross in in those years between, or Mike Conley? You know, years after your college days, your draft years. What what kind of things do you talk about when you when you run into someone who who you played against in college, and now you're you know you're pros at, at varying levels, but you're still so ensconced in the game of basketball. It's funny. I mean, you would think that a lot of, a lot of times that these guys completely forget you know, who you may be or, or anything of that nature. But, yeah. you know, those conversations you always date back to, you know, when you guys played against each other, I remember coming, you know, coming to watch a Raptors game. And at my time, at the time, my agent, uh, Merle Scott happened to be Vince. He was Vince Carter's agent as well as Lou Will's agent. So we had gone to the Raptors game and Lou Will comes out after, and I'm thinking this is years gone by. Lou Will's already, he's a star. He's, you know, I think it, at that time he had the two girlfriends. It was that Amir Johnson. He's he's living life. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
Yeah, 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 sister girl, yeah, the sister girlfriends and everything, you know, you living a life. Oh, nothing's changed since then. He <laughs> came out and the agent, my agent asked me, remember, asked Lou Will if he remembers me. He's like, yeah, Hoop Summit, he fast as shit. He, I'm fast. But he was, but you know what? He was actually right because I remember playing in the Hoop Summit and, you know, that was, he and I were supposed to be matched up and he was just going back to Monte Ellis and telling him, no, you guard him. He's too big. He's too strong. I'm not, I'm not touching him. So even little things like that, I'm like, damn, that was just a 10 minute. You probably, we probably played 10 minutes on the same court together and you remember that right. type of stuff. So yeah. it always like, AR, you know best. Like it, it leads to great conversations and just brotherhood, man. Like the money, oh, the experiences are put sure. aside at that point. So the basketball community is, is, is wildly small. As, as big as you think it is, it's very close knit. It's like a fraternity almost. So, you know, it's, there's no surprise that you, know, you have that crossover and, and, and uh, share those stories. I, I, I was, do you ever run into the guys from Butler, the Gordon Hayward? You know, I ran into Matt Howard. I played against him when, when he played for, fuck, what was it, Strasburg. And he still had that fucking mustache. <laughs> and uh, he was the same exact player, just a scrapper. You know, he played hard every single possession, going for every loose rebound. And they, they beat us. So I, I still haven't gotten my revenge on the Butler boys to this day. It still rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, but, um, but it's all... It's all love, though. It's it's it, it was really cool to kind of see like you know where our journeys took us from from you know our our, our last game as as college players and you know going competing at the highest level in Europe. So, I mean, it's fun. It's it's fun to see you know all the all the personalities and and guys you played against and watching them thrive in the league. And you know, I remember playing against you know we had some of our best battles against UConn and and, and playing against Kemba Walker and to see what he's doing in the league now is just like. You know, you didn't expect this this small little guard who was just, you know, frying everybody's ankles in college to be, you know, at the level of superstar he's at now. But, you know, mm -hmm. to see these guys thrive and, and come from the same place, you have nothing but respect for them. And, and, and I love seeing it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to it's great to have been a part of all that. Great stuff, guys. Great to hear some of some of those uh, memories and connections. And uh, I actually as a basketball fan. Uh, that stuff is fascinating, and I hope we'll uh, we'll dive into it in in future episodes of our show. Uh, that is going to do it for for us. I believe our twenty sixth episode of Jim Rats and Joints. So thank you to all the listeners out there. Uh, reminder to hit us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and review us, rate us, download us, uh, check us out on social media. On Twitter, we're at Jim Rats Podcast. On Instagram, Jim Rats and Joints. Remember, that's a Z or a Z at the end of Jim Rats and Joints. Uh, you can also find Shep on social media at Javon Shepard. Andy is on Instagram at Andy Routens. And of course, the team that they general manage together at Ottawa Blackjacks. Special thanks to our uh, extraordinary producer, Mr. Dan Wong. His social media is at Dan Wong says you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DG on the road. Although I'm definitely DG in my apartment. <laughs> these days. Thanks again for listening. We are signing off from Toronto and we'll be back next week. Planning for your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.